Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. As you know, I'm all about taking charge of our thoughts. We say it every week on Love and Life. So when life coach Melissa Lyons reached out to talk about how to experience more joy using thought nutrition, I was intrigued. Melissa believes if we paid attention to the nutritional value of our thoughts in the same way we pay attention to the nutritional value of the food we eat, we could transform our lives in powerful and profound ways. I was also curious about Melissa's journey as an empath. Over the last several years, we've been hearing more about empaths and highly sensitive people. As we talk about all the time on the program, dating is tough enough. And it's even tougher if we're a highly sensitive person. So to delve into all of these topics, I've invited intuitive life coach Melissa Lyons to discuss healthy thought nutrition the energy we dial into and emanate throughout all realms of love and life, along with some suggestions for dating as an empath. Here's a little bit more about Melissa. Melissa Lyons is an international best-selling author, speaker, and intuitive life coach who helps people unclutter their minds, uncomplicate their lives, and unlock their highest potential. She has an uncanny ability to help people find clarity amidst chaos, and she shows them how to get what they want. Quite simply, she will inspire you to wake up each morning with a sense of happiness and excitement about your day. My interview with intuitive life coach Melissa Lyons, right after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hello. It's wonderful to be here with you, Karen. So I was drawn to your work initially because of your focus on highly sensitive people, which is something that has been kind of a buzz term in the field for the last, I don't know, decade or so. And then, of course, the associated term empath. And a lot of women in my community feel that they are 
just deeply emotional, which I think is a beautiful way to be. I, I feel like I'm the same. And yet sometimes that can get us in trouble with relationships, especially if there are folks out there who sadly have more predatory instincts and sometimes the narcissists swoop in, that sort of thing. So I'd love to delve into that a bit. But also before we get going, let, let the listeners know a little bit about you and your platform and how you got to this space yourself. Okay, I would love to. Well, I have to say that my my journey hasn't been a straight a straight line like many of ours, especially if you come from the highly sensitive world or the empathic world. I should just say, since we're going to be talking about it, the day that I found out that I was an empath, absolutely shone a, the brightest light I've ever had in my life shone onto my path in front of me, and I had this clarity that I or access to clarity that I never had before. So I just want to preface my my life story with that. So until that moment, much of my life was like just trying to figure out why I didn't feel like I fit in and why I had everything anybody would ever want and have the ability to do almost anything I wanted to do and still come up, wind up feeling like somewhat not enough and and not really um, fulfilled by any of the any of the successes I had and things like that. So, you know, it was kind of like a life of search um, that led me to this, to this point. Uh, I'm a best-selling author of two books and I am the mother of two now adult, beautiful women and been married 30 years. And uh, I work with people to help them get clarity, to unclutter their minds and uncomplicate their lives and unlock their highest potential. Yeah, I love that. I think that so many of us have those seasons or like you're saying, even this chronic sort of state of, you know, I have the things, I'm doing the things, and yet there's something that still feels like it's deeply off or missing. So I love that work that you are embarking upon. So you talk about nutrition, right? And that we are very focused on our physical nutrition. I think many of us are. I certainly love this. As a psychologist, I love to look at the realities of our nutritional well-being as it affects and impacts our mental well-being and our emotional well-being. So, but you talk about this also with a mindset and nutrition. Speak a little bit about that. Well, thought nutrition, it's, it's actually so important. And I, and I realized one day that we spend so much time counting our like, steps, measuring our calories, like weighing ourselves on the scale and working so much from the outside in and, and we're not worrying, but focusing on that, that which we present to the world. But the truth is, it's an inside out process. And if we knew that our thoughts had nutritional value, like the food that we put in our mouths, if we really believed that, would we would we pay more attention to the thoughts that we think in our mind and the stories that we tell ourselves and the states of being that we allow ourselves to stay in for extended periods of time? If we actually had a nutritional value assigned to those 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 thoughts, would we allow it? And I, I don't think we would. And I just think it's a we just aren't aware of, of the impact that it's having in our lives. So I spent a lot of time working with people about that. Yeah, I think the corollary is really, it holds up because every thought is making a difference. Just as everything I put in my mouth is impacting my physical state in one way or the other. And the same is true with every thought that I allow to course through my mind every day. And we, I, I always make the parallel that 
our mindset discipline is very similar to our physical health discipline. And of course, the first time that we try to do some push-ups, we're not so good at it, <laughs> especially as women who tend to not have the same amount of upper body strength. And so when we first do those push-ups, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to feel very forced and awkward. And we may not even believe that we can do it. Once we start doing them, we begin to build that muscle. I think the parallel absolutely plays out to our mindset and our thoughts. And initially, when we tell ourselves more empowering, less limiting, in fact, unlimiting, I would hope, beliefs and thoughts. Initially, we may not believe them. And we have to convince ourselves through the discipline of the practice of exercising, again, all these corollary terms, exercising our mindset. So it's very similar. Yes, it's so true. And you know, and when we're working out, it's not always the reason, but often we care about how we look. And so that's part of why we want to be physically strong, not the only reason. But if we cared as much about how we felt, that that actually, it even makes it easier than having to have the, the discipline because it takes away the resistance of, of, of certain things. It's like, if you care about how you feel, then you're always aware when you're not feeling well. I always say, it started out saying this to kids, but you know, I say it to people of all ages, when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. Because we have this amazing personal guidance system that the second you're feeling yucky, all that is is a messenger telling you that you're somewhere misaligned in your thinking. Something you're thinking is aligning with your true soul, your true, your true you. And so it's saying, hey, you don't feel good because something is not aligned in your thought. And so caring about how you feel is the most important thing you can do. I think that's so wise and I love the reframe of let's look at the positive of this feeling that is unwanted and undesirable or yucky. <laughs> I love that because it is a signal that something's off and it's something that we either need to process or delve into with a therapist or with a coach or it's some it's an indication that our mindset and that we're letting thoughts run around rampant limiting lies that we've maybe internalized from various sources and maybe lies that we've told ourselves, stories that we've told ourselves that are untrue. And we need to acknowledge that, which is why I personally have a lot of problem with some of the models currently that want to tell people if they have depressive thoughts that they must have a chemical imbalance and we need to adjust their neurotransmitters. And that's a big pharma medical model that I push back as uh, against as a psychologist because I think that's a putting a Band-Aid on a tumor. And I think there's a lot more important and actually a lot more valid explanation going on that has to do with the, what you're speaking to here. Yeah, you know, it, it's a, it's a starting place, isn't it? It's a, it's a place to realize that there there's there's room to grow. There's something waiting for you around the corner of whatever that feeling is that you have. And you know, there's the opposite side to not the opposite, but the the progression from when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky, is turn it up, buttercup. And it's healthy <laughs> these little things work because when we're feeling yucky, we're vibrating. Our frequency is is somewhat lower than where we want it to be. And if we consider ourselves to be like a radio station transmitting out into the world, what we're putting out there is what we're, we're attracting back, the law of attraction, but it, it works in the idea of frequencies and vibration. And so, yeah, then you, then you have to look at the process of how do you turn it up? How do you raise your, vib your vibration and your frequency to start to think better thoughts? Because, you know, there's a scale of consciousness and, that, and that's where this whole um, 
thought nutrition comes from. And courage is actually like at a, at a frequency of 200. And so everything below courage is sort of a restrictive thought that pulls you back. It holds you perhaps stuck, but it's also telling you something about something that you need to address or deal with. And everything on the uh, on the higher side of, of courage, which is above 200, like the abundance, love, hope, joy, all of those things where you're on that expansive side is, again, telling you that you are really living fully aligned, but that's what you're attracting when you're living there. Yeah, and I don't know a lot about vibrations and frequencies. That's all kind of out of my purview, but I do... I have a concrete example of that. I think we all do. I remember in middle school, there were all these grad parties. And of course, like many people, especially when you're in middle school, you're a little nervous to go to a party. Of course, now we would pathologize that. You have social anxiety. Another thing I push back against is the diagnostic inflation and labeling every emotion as pathological. But I was nervous. And I remember the first couple parties I went to, I was so nervous that I got into the state of, I'm not gonna have any fun at this party. And guess what happened? I didn't have any fun at that party. Right. And I started realizing, because I had good parents, thank God, that told me it's in your mindset. What are you telling yourself about this experience? And they gave me some, like, the, like you're speaking to, they tried to help me as a young person start to build my courage and start to project instead an anticipation and expectation that I would have a lot of fun. And it was like night and day, which is why all these years later, I still remember it. I started just telling myself as I was putting on my little makeup and doing my little hair, I'm going to, although I don't think I could wear makeup in eighth grade. Let me be honest. I think, <laughs> I, I think my mom made me wait till ninth grade. But anyway, as I was primping and getting ready for the party, I remember starting to tell myself, you're going to have so much fun. You're going to connect with all your friends. You're going to meet some new people. And what happened? Of course, I had fun. And that was such a, a tangible example of, I think, what you're speaking to. And of course, I, again, I don't have the vernacular for that, but it was so true. And I realized I had the power because what am I doing when I'm walking in so nervous? I'm probably recoiling physically. My posture is probably very closed off. My hands are probably across my chest. I'm probably giving off an energy, a vibe, whatever you want to call it, that is not welcoming and open. And people are going to respond aren't they? They're going to go, mm, she looks like she's crabby today. <laughs> Stay away from her. But if we come with this energy of acceptance and maybe, and I, I, I encourage people to think of it this way. If you're going to an awkward situation, you know, you're feeling awkward. There's probably someone else who feels awkward. Why don't you look for the person who looks like they could use a warm, friendly handshake and big smile, right? So it's so much that sort of thing, I think you're speaking to. Again, I, I'm not really well-versed in this, but that's the sort of concrete example I can bring. And I've tried to remember that and retain that with me throughout my life. And I, I think it serves me well. It definitely must serve you well because it, it is true. It, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say by it, and yeah, maybe I got a little bit too technical there, but the idea is if, if you have a radio station and you're, tu you're, you're tuned in to 92.9 and 92.9 is actually a sad state, but that's all you're going to be attracting back. And so right. you have to change your story. Like you said, change how you're viewing it, change what you're thinking about. And it's not always easy, but just the awareness itself allows you to begin to shift and to begin to understand that you are creating your next moments and your, your next, you know, the next thoughts, the next actions, all of those are created by what you're thinking in that moment. So the awareness is key. Those of you who've been listening to Love and Life for a bit will remember my interview with Liz Forkin-Bohannon, the creator of Seiko Designs. 
Seiko provides employment and educational opportunities for women in Uganda. And since that time, I've made it a point to try to buy gifts for my friends that have a dual purpose. Something I know my friends will love that also empowers a woman here or abroad. If you'd like to join me and get a jump start on your Christmas shopping, head over to my Instagram page where I'll be sharing the link to join my Seiko shopping party. It wraps up on November 8th, so you've got a week to participate. Thank you so much. Now, what do you say when clients push back and say, well, Melissa, you don't understand. I've never had anyone build into me, right? I might share my story and they'd be like, well, I didn't have parents that taught me to be more courageous, that taught me that it was in my power to change my approach to social situations, for example, or or people have been beaten up so much, maybe physically, but also emotionally through multiple breakups. And they are beginning to fear that they are in fact unlovable. Or well, how do you help them make those adjustments? Because they may feel unfortunately, because of what they've been through, so comfortable in that frequency, right? That They're dialed in there, literally, to use your analogy of the radio station. They're so dialed in there, they've really lost the belief that there's any other station available to them. I'm really glad that you brought this up, Karen, because it's important to start there. And I have a couple of things to say. First of all, my mom, who I have a really wonderful relationship with, we never did without it, had a, quite a wonderful life. But she consistently reminded me and and reminded my children that life only gets worse. And she believed that life only gets worse. And she has all these reasons to support it. So I did, I think many of my years, I I was dialed into those lower stations of like self-loathing and all of those things, but deep within myself. So first of all, I can relate to people who who would be saying this to, to us or to me or thinking this at the moment. I have a really wonderful free course called I Have a Choice. And it actually takes you into a process where you actually look at what you're thinking and then you get to look at the opposite side of it. It's really quick and easy. And it's a gift that we can offer your listeners to to work through it on their own. And they can just sit down and go through it. Because I think it's a process where you have to figure out where you are. And then you have to Mm -hmm. figure out where would you like to be? How would you like to feel? So get real about what you're actually believing right now. Get real about what's going on. Get real about what you might like. And the first step, if you don't know what you like, because when it happened to me, I had no clue what I wanted, but I could tell you for 10 days what I didn't want. And that's actually the most wonderful thing, because as you probably know, the opposite of what you don't want is exactly what's calling you. And so it's a really great process to get clear. That's what I would say to those people. It's in it for all of us, because in any given moment, your next thought is directing your future. So just push pause, get clear, and then start thinking deliberately about what you want. And it can be baby steps. Yeah. I love that. I live that. I I love the idea of, and I don't know what you think about this, but like I said earlier with, with the analogy of working out, at first it's going to be really hard to believe it. I remember another personal example. I remember I was went through a horrible breakup in my late 30s. And here I am like 38 now and not where I wanted to be with my timeline. My, my community knows all about this. But there was one specific day and it was like Saturday afternoon and I was just so demoralized. I was still having a hard time getting over this guy who we'd broken up like two years before. I was still struggling, still, still attached emotionally, not moving forward. And I was so down. And I did again what I, what I learned in eighth grade. I, I just told myself, Karen... Like you're saying, every thought is 
I have to own it. I'm making a choice to let these thoughts, this negativity to wallow, to, to let this suck me down. And I didn't want it to be comfortable. It was getting to be too normal and normative for me. So I did the whole thing. I was going to get, get together with some friends for dinner and I put on some lipstick and I got myself into a, an outfit that I felt really cute about. And I just said, I'm going to go out. Instead of looking at, I'm 38, I'm not where I want to be. I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally give off energy of, I love my life. I'm thankful for every experience I've had to this point. I'm believing that because I'm still single and I don't want to be, I want, I do want, I deeply desire partnership. I want to get married. I'm believing that because I'm still single, it must mean that someone is out there who is better than I could have ever anticipated. That all the, the emotional connection that I felt with men in the past is only an indication that I have that deep capacity to love again. And I have that deep capacity to love and to give to the right person who is out there in my future. And that is the energy I'm going to carry with me tonight. And I remember going to this restaurant. I lived in Chicago. It was in, um, it was on, uh, it was a Mexican restaurant or Italian. I can't remember, but I was with my friends and I walked in. And again, this is a girl who'd been sobbing the entire afternoon, but I walked in that restaurant and I walked by a table and someone said, she stopped me. She's like, you have just the most beautiful energy and your smile is so pretty. Just some random person I'd never met. And I thought, <laughs> that's powerful because I decided that I wanted to change my frequency, to use your terminology. I, I didn't want to wallow in that energy. So I give another concrete example because I think someone, like you're obviously well-versed in this and well-trained. I just want to bring it to the layperson, so to speak, right? That they can use these tools, even if they don't know all the depth of what you're talking about, they can start to approximate it by just making these mindset shifts and these decisions. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not at all. It's not easy at all, but it is doable. And when we recognize that it's doable, that's when we empower ourselves. Yes. And you know, you're right. It's not easy and it's doable, but the most important thing is it's a choice. It is a choice, a conscious choice. And you know, so when we talk about talking to the layperson, let's talk about manifesting for a quick second because it fits into this concept tonight. Is that okay? Absolutely, for sure. Okay. So manifesting, everybody knows like whatever you're thinking about, you focus, you make a vision board, you do all these things. But we can there's also a danger to manifesting because once you once you start to work on like this positive thought and what you want to put out there, which is exactly what you did, which is so amazing that a random stranger would catch your energy, but it's not surprising in the least bit that that happened. But at the same time, when we're not really clear about what we want and we're not really clear about where we want to go and we haven't pressed pause long enough in our life, it means we don't value where we're going or what's waiting for us enough to give it time and focus. And it doesn't take a lot of time, but it's important because otherwise you're manifesting or you're attracting something that's very murky. And very unclear because that is what you're putting out. So if you're not feeling really great and you're not feeling really bad, it means you might just not really clear. And then that, that murkiness will come to you. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You're looking for greater clarity. And so when you're saying like the typical manifesting people are thinking of the vision boards and so forth, you're saying that's not dialing in enough. It's not getting specific enough. No, it is. So when you're on, when you're looking at your vision board, it's clear what you want. And when you're feeling the lowest of low, it's clear you're low. But when you're just out there going about your day, like, you know, how often do you get up in the morning and jump in your car and just drive and not have an idea of where you're going to go? 
never. But how often do you wake up in the morning and just figure that somehow you're going to land back up in bed where you where you just left and just see where the day takes you versus waking up and saying, I'm going to see the good in every situation possible. And I'm going to pay attention to how I feel. And when my, when my heart starts to tighten or I start to get anxious or angry or irritated, I'm going to just t- take like one moment and do two quick breaths and say, hey, what's going on? Where am I focused? Where could I refocus? And be so in tune to yourself in a milliseconds of a way. I'm not talking about changing your life. Well, I am, but like it's so <laughs> manageable, but just be so aware of those things. And now all of a sudden, you're being that that's clarity in itself because you you're you know how you want to feel when you went to bed when you go to bed at night you want you want to know how you wanted to feel throughout your day and be intentional as you are as when you get into the car or you jump onto transit you know where you're going to get off the transit system mm-hmm. yeah i love this idea of being able to stop in the moment take a, a couple breaths center yourself and remind yourself of more of your intentions for that day, for intentions for your thoughts, intentions for your feelings, because they're all related. Yeah. You know, I actually have a great example uh, to explain to you when you said about like not being clear. So one of my daughters decided she was a high level soccer player and, and she was scheduled to go on and play in college or, or destined to. And she woke up one day and she said, I'm not playing soccer anymore. I'm not going to chase a stupid ball around a field. I want to go to Africa. I want to work with orphans and do work in orphanages. I'm not playing soccer. And, and we said to her, you can do all that, but you need to go to this tournament this weekend because we've, we've said you're, you've committed to your team. If right. you want to change your future, you can. But, but as parents, we didn't say to her, but be, be sure that when you're there, you're enjoying playing soccer. So, you know, within three seconds into the very first game, she was taken out on a stretcher. Three minutes, sorry. She was taken out on a stretcher because she was so focused on wanting to do something different than playing soccer that the universe granted her her wish. She wasn't clear about that she didn't want to be taken out in a stretcher. You're going to get what you're asking for, but sometimes you don't realize that that what you're asking for might not be clear to whatever it is that's delivering it to you. Yeah. And I'm I'm intrigued by this because it really does align with cognitive psychology, which is my preferred therapeutic orientation is cognitive behavioral. So looking at the thoughts and the mindset. So it, it lines up with that. And at the same time, I would imagine... And I've had people, when I've talked about this a little bit, again, I'm not well-versed, but some people will say, well, so you're trying to say that my mother was 40 years old and got cancer, that she wanted that, right? You know, so there's a lot of resistance, I think, because people then feel like you're blaming the victim, so to speak. What do you say to that? Yeah, there is a lot of resistance. Um, First of all, I think to cognitive behavior therapy or manifesting or whatever it is from whatever, whatever angle or language we're using, I think it's all the same at its core because the, you know, the, 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 the cause and effect seems to be really aligned. And so when resistance comes up, I, first of all, I think it's a master teacher for us all. And so that's the first hint that if you're resisting it, there's probably something deeper you need to look at. And there's a soul plan and this will this will depend on people's spirituality. I don't mean religion. I just mean spiritual belief about that. But our souls do have plans, and there are certain things that we may or may not be able to control. But we don't know what happened in, in the person's mom's life that caused her to have whatever experience she had. All that we get to do is is um, work on our response to whatever it is that's happening to another person. We can't understand because we didn't live in that person's mind. 
We don't know, you know, what's going on there. Just the same way as my daughter who like, was it her fault that she got taken out in soccer? No, I'm sure it wasn't her fault, but I do think her thoughts played a role in it, but that doesn't matter anymore. Cause where do we go from here? At each moment, it's a new crossroad. Where do you want to go from here? And where, what thought do we want next? Cause we only get to choose the moment we're in and then be really creative about where we want to end up. Yeah, it reminds me of another topic that keeps coming up, and I personally resist this quite a bit. You'll hear in the emotional wellness, mental health space, this notion of toxic positivity. And I am an unapologetic optimist. And as I've shared from a couple examples of times when I was struggling, how really being intentional about being positive, even when I didn't feel like being positive, I didn't want to be positive and didn't feel natural to be positive in that moment. So I don't really buy toxic positivity. And I'm curious what you think about it, because I will get a lot of people who would will say, well, then you're not honoring someone's pain, or you're not honoring someone's experience, or you're negating or minimizing what they've been through and their legitimate and valid emotional responses to what they've been through. And I say, I think similar to what you're saying, I say, yes, I do honor all that. Also, where is the choice? Where is the empowerment? Can we honor what we've experienced, but also not wallow in something that won't serve us? It won't serve our goals. It doesn't make us happy. What do you say about toxic positivity? Have you heard about that term? And, and what do you, how do you respond? I've never heard it, but, I, but it, as soon as you said it, it resonated with me. And there were two people that came to mind. And maybe the toxic part comes from that person who's so um, bubbly to the point where you're, and you're not feeling in a bubbly state that you just want to smack them. That's, that's one situation. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I think what you're talking about because that, that's a person who's maybe not sensitive to what someone else is going through. Sure. But in terms of positivity, like, it's like if you think about, you think about a country or, or a community where there are, are children who are hungry and it makes you feel so sad that you almost feel a pain, but no amount of you feeling pain or sad is going to make them less hungry. Right. So you have to realize that it doesn't it doesn't bode well for you to feel bad because someone else is going through something. And so I think in that case, I agree completely with with what you're saying. So you, you take a moment, you recognize where people are, but then you see them as as in a better place or in a different environment or in a different situation. Like how can you rewrite it? How can you see it differently? Because if you can't directly impact it, all you can do is think about it in a more positive way. Yeah. And won't that positive energy inspire you to take action? Should that be something that you choose to do with, yes, exactly. with your concern and with your empathy? I think that's a lovely response, but I think wallowing in the, the world is a horrible place and people are dying and they're starving and uh, wallowing in that, where, where does that get us? <laughs> right. Well, like you yeah. said, yeah, yeah. You're, you're navel gazing of how horrible the world is and how you're, you have no way to help because now you're so depressed that you're in a heap on the floor where did that get anyone? <laughs> it's so true. And, and you didn't help them anyway. And that's the thing that really gets me. It's like that if you can make a difference, then make a difference. If you can't make a difference, then the best thing you can do is make a difference to something or someone in your life that's in your proximity, in your, you know, your, your sphere of influence. And you can't do that when you're in a negative state. Well, you can, but it's not going to uplift the world or raise anybody's level of, of happiness or frequency or joy or vibration, whatever you want to call it. You aren't adding value to anybody when you're serving from an empty cup. Yeah, and it's it's so true. 
So let's focus a little bit in on highly sensitive people, empaths. You shared earlier that that's you and that the more that you understood and once you really resonated with that reality, it was a life changer for you. And let's bring it specifically to relationships because so many of the women in my community are single and they're on the dating scene. What do you say to that highly sensitive woman, that highly sensitive empath who's trying to pick herself up, dust herself off from yet another broken heart or yet another what she feels like is a rejection because she got ghosted or the person that she was communicating with on a certain app after three months, they never did meet in person. So what do you say to women who are struggling with that in particular? I have to ask you a question first. So when we're talking to this person, does this does this woman know really what an empath is or what a highly sensitive person is? Like, is it just a term or is it something that they've really like looked into in their lives? Because I think that is where we need to start. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think the, a lot of these terms get, uh, they become popular and then people read articles about them and they go, yeah, that's me. I mean, I remember in my early psych courses, the professor was saying, you know, you're going to start learning about all these diagnoses and all these pathologies or you're going to think that you have all of them. That's very common. So I don't know to the degree that that someone actually is an empath or highly sensitive person and to the degree to which they think, Oh, I see myself in that. I, I I can't answer that question necessarily. Yeah. So so then I'm going to ask the, the listeners then. So if you if you think that you're a highly sensitive person, you think that it's having an impact or, or it's it's affecting the outcome of some of your relationships. Do some work. Um, watch some videos. You know, grab a few books and learn about what an empath is. Because the first thing, so when I found out I was an empath, I, it, it, like I said, I, I really started to see myself differently. Shortly after, I found out that both of my daughters, who were teenagers at the time when I found this out, that they were both empaths. So I made the, since we were a family of four, I made the assumption that three quarters of the world are empaths because three quarters of my family were empaths where, you know, depending on your, your definition of empath, it could be anywhere from like three or 4% of the population to maybe as high as 20. So we, we represent a very small percentage of the world. That's the first thing to know. The second thing from a relationship point of view, like I mentioned, I've been married 30 years. It was actually our anniversary last week. It wasn't an easy 30 years. It's been a loving 30 years, but not an easy 30 years by any means. And the day that I found out that my husband lived with three female empaths, everything mm-hmm. changed for us. I saw him so differently. Like my heart went out to him because <laughs> empaths are so energetic. We're so like, we're so emotional. We're so like, we over like analyze everything until we learn how to handle it better. Right. Can you relate to that? Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, but again, I haven't really studied it. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I really am an empath or if I've just been trained with empathy, having in my life as a psychotherapist, learning some of those skills. Okay. So an empath often, they're highly sensitive. They take on the energy of a room or of people who are there. And depending on the degree of highly high sensitivity that they have, it'll be like a little bit or a lot to the point where a very, very highly sensitive person can actually take on an illness and start to pick up like physical ailments and things like that in a room. They feel drained by certain people. They can be anxious in a crowd, but they also have a very high connection to their intuition and they can they can, they can sense someone when they're not telling the truth. So they've often felt different over the years. Like they have a unique way of viewing and sensing the world. 
And they are always surprised when everybody else doesn't see the world like they do. So an empath like that takes the time to understand more about themselves will approach relationships differently because, again, an empath who's not really aware of things, often they, they, try, to, they try to fix people because they're so kind and loving and they sense someone else's need that they'll be drawn in. You mentioned a narcissist earlier. So yeah. they'll be drawn to people who either legitimately need their help or, or are showing that they need their help. And so that, then, and then the slope becomes really slippery. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people probably in the helping profession. They're probably drawn to the helping profession for that reason. But I think also women are, are socialized to be nurturing and that's probably also biological. I mean, I'm a developmental psychologist, so I always look at nature versus nurture. I think a lot of women could fall into that, but you're saying it's, it's really only about 20% of the population. Yeah, it is. So when you get into that level, yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite low. And again, it depends on which study or which book that you read. But yeah, it's it's a smaller percentage. And and the real thing is is that idea that it's that you just have to learn to stop trying to fix other people and fix situations and really focus on staying connected with your core and your 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 own self. Like the job of an empath really is to empower themselves because empaths are actually, again, speaking in terms of definition, they're, they're, they're sent here to be light workers. They're often people who do that work to, to help other people and help shine their light on situations and, and raise the healing and the vibration and the frequency of the planet on a spiritual level. So, so they have their goal is, or their, their, another role is to allow their presence to inspire others so that those other people can know what is their potential and their possibility in the world. But what an empath often ha- for, doesn't realize it's only if it's their fate to do so, the person who they're trying to help, like not everybody wants to be fixed, can be fixed, is ready to be fixed. And it's learning to draw that line and really staying connected to your core. Yeah. And in, in therapy, we would talk about boundaries, obviously. And right, that, exactly. And, uh, and even as therapists, when we're in our training, we recognize that we can't fix any clients. Clients come to us. And one of the adages that I remember from my training as a psychotherapist is you can't work harder than the client. So you present a space, you provide uh, the, the context through which the client can see himself more clearly, where she can understand her own desires, goals, dreams, more clearly. You hold up that mirror for the client. And in that space, in that context that you are facilitating, you're hoping that that will allow the client to fix themselves because obviously no one fixes anyone, right? So that's, I think, very similar to what you're saying, where we have to recognize that I can love someone, but I can't make them love themselves. I can try to heal someone with affirming words, with kindness, with tending to them. But if they're not willing to do their own healing, those efforts will be in vain. Yeah, absolutely. And and so think of it, um, Karen, you, you've been trained to have that approach with your clients and to, and to guide them through it. Now I think about an empath who doesn't know they're an empath, who goes from relationship to relationship, feeling beat up, feeling taken advantage, feeling like a doormat. And they do it over and over. And it's like, why? Why does this keep happening to me? Well, first of all, they're not trained. And second of all, they're much more susceptible to this behavior. 
And maybe they didn't even realize it. I'm thinking about a young man who I just connected with from like the other side of the world. And, and he was telling me all the problems and he's like, I start things and I, and I, and I just become disillusioned and I quit. You know, I just like, oh, I can't take it. And he goes, I said, but do you know that you, I think you're an empath. Have you looked up what an empath is? And he did a bit of research and he said, I see it so clearly now. So I, I think that just this alone could change so many relationships for so many of the women and so many of your, your followers and listeners, because there's a lot to learn about the gifts that you carry, but your gifts have been so hidden and buried by trying to help everybody else that you have to realize you got to fill your own cup up. Yeah. And I, I encourage women to think about what is the point of entering a relationship. If your point is to try to heal this wounded bird with the broken wing, and you're going to be this ray of sunshine and light that helps this downtrodden individual, that's not true partnership. That's you being a therapist or a social worker when you're dating. That's not people on the same level partnering in true partnership, walking hand in hand, no one trying to complete the other person, no one trying to fix the other person, but just enjoying the fullness of each other. Yes. And I just had a huge aha. Let's go back to the radio station and then we're talking about what what you're dialed in at. So if you've got someone who is a highly sensitive person and they don't know it and they haven't done that specific work to to come out of whatever mode they're in, because often you can be in a victim mode as a sensitive person because you don't know that you're doing it. So while you're there, that's the frequency you're putting out. So that's what you're attracting. So you're attracting like-minded people. Because that's the right. frequency you're on. And it's so I think one of the answers, and I'm sure this is what you, you say to people, but like to, to just say it again, it's like to do that work on your own, to go within, whether it's cognitive behavior therapy, or whatever, it's like get really clear about your gifts, get clear about what you want in a person, get clear about what you're offering a person right now. And if you're not sure, what are your predominant thoughts? What are you thinking about most of the day? Are you thinking, oh, I don't want to go to the party. I don't feel very good. Are you thinking like I deserve greatness? Yeah. When we're able to step into the dating scene with that full appreciation of who we are and what we have to offer a relationship and knowing that we don't need a relationship, we we desire one because intimacy is a beautiful thing, but we're going to be okay either which way. I think that brings a different energy to the experience. It does. And, and you, you, you just sort of alluded to it too. It's like the, the most important relationship we'll ever have in our lives is with ourselves. And, yeah. and the, the degree to which we love ourselves and see ourselves and how we treat ourselves, again, is going to be whatever, like, if, again, give ourselves a radio station frequency. How you're treating yourself is the number on the dial. And whatever you're treating yourself is what you're going to pull back in. So how you see yourself, how you view yourself, if you're hard on yourself, if you're loving, you're going to pull in something similar to how you're treating yourself. So the higher quality of your relationship with yourself is a higher quality of relationship that you're going to attract into your life. For sure. And I think the tricky part then gets to be, if I don't feel so good about myself, if I don't think that I really have that much to offer, I'm not happy with myself as is, how do I elevate my self-concept and my self-assurance so that I feel that I do have something to offer a relationship. And you have a suggestion for how to do this because you have an upcoming free virtual retreat called Unwind Your Mind. What now? What next? And that's going to feature 21 experts who are focused on offering simple, sustainable strategies to unclutter minds, 
uncomplicate lives and unlock potential. So this sounds like a perfect way to get tangible and concrete strategies for feeling that sense of self that we really want to feel and we know is going to behoove us in our dating process. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I also, in, in, in that retreat that I have a choice course um, that I'm telling you about that we can, we can provide a link to it. I think it's a wonderful way to just press pause for like, like 10 minutes a day for three days or one hour right now and, and get, get clear about how you actually are feeling about yourself. Cause until we stop and pay attention, it's like jumping in a car and driving without a destination. We do it all the time in our lives. And, and it's, it's the invitation to stop and figure out where you want to go before you start going. So 21 experts, how is this going to work? Is this uh, at some website and people can just plug in and watch them whenever they'd like, or are they certain times where they're going to be featured? Yes, they're going to be featured and they're, it's November 8th to the 12th. And there'll be four interviews a day, each day for 24 hours that'll be available. And on the, on the Wednesday, the middle day, there's actually five interviews that makes the 21. Yeah. And so, and then there'll be a chance at the end too, we'll have a, we'll have a replay of all the videos as well. Two weekends, two weekends afterwards, after it finished. So if someone, if you miss any of them, you've got 48 hours to take it all in. Okay, great. Let people know where to sign up for that in case they want to take advantage of that. Yes, you can sign up on my website, which is IamMelissaLyons.com. And you will find all the information under webinars and courses, one of the tabs at the top. You'll be able to find your way there. It's called Unwind Your Mind Fall 21. Great. And that's coming up because it's November 8th is the kickoff. Exactly. Yes. And you know, it, it deals with all kinds of things. It deals with grief. It deals with careers. It deals with just having that sense of overwhelm, of feeling energetically drained. And I even have a, clutter, a decluttering expert there too, because the, the clutter in our lives can also weigh us down and, and show up as emotional baggage and things like that too. So we even get into the actual true physical parts of our life as well. Excellent. Great. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. So you also are pre-enrolling candidates in a full year coaching program called A Year of You. Tell listeners about that. Absolutely. Yes, pre-enrolling. And it starts with a 30-minute introduction call with me where we figure out exactly what it is that you want in your life and, and what you would like to like experience and be and be feeling a year from now. And it'll start in, it's starting in January of 2022. So um, we're going to spend a full year just really getting clear about what you want to create in your life and what you want to experience. And, and we're going to do all this by beginning with our end in mind, knowing how we want to look back at our lives whenever that end of our life might be and be remembered and, and know the, the impact we had in our lives and the joy we experienced along the way. So yeah, we're going to spend a full year working on that. It's going to be wonderful. That sounds great. And you also mentioned, I think earlier, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned this freebie that you have. Tell us about it's a that. mini course. Yeah. And it's, I have a choice and I highly recommend it for 
everybody because it helps us get really clear and aligned about where our predominant thoughts are and what happens when we get pulled out of our zone or pulled out of our grounded area. You know, if someone cuts us off or is really rude to us and in a takeout line or something like that, or someone really offends us, it allows us to figure out and how to process it quickly and come back to that center of feeling. Like you said, like when you walk into a party or you walk into a restaurant and someone said, love the energy that you're, that you're giving off. It allows us to be back in that state more and more and more often on a consistent basis. That's great. And is that also available at immelissalyons.com? Yes. Okay, great. Melissa, any parting words for the listeners? And then also let them know where to follow you on social media. They know your website, obviously, but where can they get your books and and all the things? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Karen. I love what you're doing. I love the idea of love and life because that's that's all there is, right? Yeah. Life is about love. So yeah. you couldn't be working focused on anything more important. In terms of social media, all of my links you can get from my website. And my books that I have actually, they're about hope and love. They and they deal with grief and loss because we deal with grief and loss every day in our lives in some format. And so yeah, I think it's an important thing for anybody who who is looking for a greater message or some kind of message for someone who they've loved and lost, um, I would recommend taking a look at my books, which are also available for free on YouTube to take a quick peek at as well. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Karen. I really enjoyed it. The love and life hack for this week is let's level up the nutritional value of our thoughts. So on point for the love and life family. Thank you as always for joining us today and being a part of the love and life community. We have just a few spots left for the next love and life support group. So if you're interested, head over to loveandlifemedia.com and sign up for the wait list. Love and Life newsletter subscribers will receive insider perk pricing. So if you haven't joined the email list yet, be sure to do so when you're on my website. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.